the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. I'm taking a few days off, taking a break. We're rerunning some programs that we feel you'll enjoy. I'll be back live next Monday, January the 4th. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm honored. Today is Monday, December the 7th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on December 7th, 1941, Japan launched an air raid on the United States base, Navy base at Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. They also targeted Malaya, Hong Kong, Guam, the Philippines, and Wake Island. The United States declared war against Japan the next day. Today in 43, Cicero, I often quote him on this program, Cicero was assassinated. He was considered to be one of the greatest sons of Rome. He was one of the most quotable ones. The reason that one of the government officials ordered him assassinated was because he was critical of some of the things, in fact, a lot of the things at that point that was going on in the Roman Empire. The empire was crumbling. Today in 1787, Delaware became the first state to ratify the U.S. Constitution. Today in 1909, the State of the Union Address, President William Howard Taft defended the decision to base the U.S. naval operations in the Pacific at Pearl Harbor instead of the Philippines. Today in 1972, America's last moon mission to date was launched as Apollo 17 blasted off from Cape Canaveral. Today in 1987, Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev, he set foot on American soil for the first time. He was here for a Washington summit with President Ronald Reagan, great communicator. One year ago today, a dozen frail survivors of the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor returned to honor those who died in 1941 bombing that launched us into World War II. Today, they can't go. There are some that were planning to go. In fact, Navy sailor Mickey Gannett, he was planning to go. He was all set to go. He's 101, but he had it on his schedule to be there today, along with a few others, just a few, are left and still able to travel. But they said he can't do it. COVID-19. Chinese virus. Mickey said he remembers well today, December 7, 1941. He said he was getting ready to play in a football game. They had one ship would play a, a team from one ship would play against a team from another ship. I don't know if they did it annually or regularly, but it was a big deal. The guys played football like it was the Rose, like the Super Bowl or the Rose Bowl or something. He said they were just getting ready to kick off. In fact, he was wearing his football padding and a, his brown team, team shirt. And all of a sudden, planes appeared from everywhere. 
He said he stood scanning the sky as Japanese planes rained bombs on the U.S. Pacific Fleet. 79 years later, the coronavirus pandemic is preventing Ganich and several others from attending the ceremony today that killed so many of our men and women. He's 101. He's attended most years since the mid-2000s, but today he'll observe... He'll observe on a TV screen from his home in San Leandro, California. They asked him how he felt about that. He said, well, (laughs) he said, that's the way it goes. You've got to ride the tide. He is part of that greatest generation who saved America from the clutches of communism and all kinds of other isms. America is today because of people like Mickey and others. I had a couple of uncles myself involved in that. They stood for America. I don't know if we've raised a generation that would stand as they did for America or not. We'll know if we're tested to that degree. But there is no question that America is under assault again, and it's not by funny-looking little Japanese bomber airplanes. It's an intellectual, it's a spiritual, it's an emotional, but it's an attack. President Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, he was tested over the weekend positive for coronavirus. You may have heard that. President Trump tweeted yesterday, He tweeted at Rudy Giuliani, by far the greatest mayor in the history of New York City and who has been working tirelessly exposing the most corrupt election by far in the history of the United States, has tested positive for the Chinese virus. Get better soon, Rudy. We will carry on, President Trump tweeted yesterday. Giuliani hasn't talked to the press that I could see this morning, but yesterday he was at Georgetown University Medical Center, according to the New York Times. But earlier yesterday morning, he appeared live on this um, TV show, one of the few left on Fox News, I must say. Sunday morning features this uh, Maria Bartiroma. She's pretty positive about Trump and conservatism in general, and and there are some that are on Fox, but many are not anymore. In fact, Chris Wallace was yelling at Azar, one of of Trump's cabinet members, yelling at him on the air. He said, why can't you call President-elect Biden President-elect Biden? And Azar said, he isn't President-elect, and he isn't. He isn't, until the votes are cast by the Electoral College. He's not President-elect. But they want him to be. That's Chris Wallace. He's the main news commentator for Fox News. But pray for Rudy. (laughs) He needs prayer. He's out now, apparently. So others will carry on. But I will tell you, the resistance to Trump is unbelievable. It seems like it never ends. However, Justice Alito of the Supreme Court, he moved up the deadline, and I think it's a favorable thing. Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito 
has asked officials in Pennsylvania to file their briefs by Tuesday, that's tomorrow, at 9 a.m. in response to a lawsuit filed by Representative Mike Kelly. He's a Republican from Pennsylvania. They're trying to overturn the state's election results. Tuesday, interestingly enough, is the kind of a safe harbor deadline that requires controversy surrounding elections to be ended so that states can choose their electors before the December 14 meeting of the Electoral College. Alito initially had called for the response arguments by 4 p.m. on Wednesday, December 9. Then he, over the weekend, he changed it to, he moved it up to tomorrow at 9 a.m., which gives, I mean, I think it gives him time and others on the Supreme Court to review this and I think that's, I, well, I know it's an indication that they're interested in, in it, and it could be an indication that they're going to take that case. If they take that case and hear it, it'll happen very quickly, and um, it'll change a lot of the dynamics. The, it seems that Giuliani and Trump and, and the other people that are working with him on all of this, it, it's an enormous amount of fraud that's attached to this election. I, I, I cannot overstate, and I have spent more time than I wanted to spend reading everything I could over the last number of weeks about actual evidence that is out there regarding this past election. And it is overwhelming in amount. I mean, it's everywhere. This election was rife, rife with corruption from the beginning to the end. It was. And I don't even like to say that because I want to believe in our election system, I love this country, and I know most of you that are listening do as well. I love America, not more than the kingdom of God, certainly, but I love America. God bless America. God has given us America. It's an exceptional country, founded on Judeo-Christian principles. But I got to tell you, we have become corrupt like Rome itself in these elections. And I believe that Trump, of course, wants to be in office another four years, but I believe that his interest in this country transcends his own political aspirations or political goals. I do. And I believe that he wants to see this fixed for the future of this country. I believe he loves this country as well. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. But that's what's going on in our country today. So it seems that Supreme Court Justice Alito is trying to get this thing to where they can act on this. Somebody said the other day, and I'm not sure about this, but I heard them say, and they were an authoritative person, a person who should know, they said that this December 14 meeting of the Electoral College is not set in stone in the Constitution. It's just that they will meet. It's not necessarily that they will meet on the 14th, because they said, and I haven't verified this, but they said that date could be changed. All of this is about to happen as we speak over the next few days and we will do we will do our job on this program to try to keep you updated there's so much information out there we can't cover it all in a 30 minutes obviously but we'll try to cover the most important things that happen on a lighter note something that I saw over the I never go on on social media I mean rarely ever I I hate social media to be honest with you I know it, there's benefits, and Grandma can keep in touch with her grandkids, and all. I, I I get all that, but social media has has changed America in so many ways. It's brought out the worst in so much of us. But anyway, it is what it is. But anyway, I I I saw something pop up in my personal email, and it was 
a person that I happened to know, and it was a Facebook post that they had made, and I just clicked on it, which put me on Facebook. And uh, <clears throat> there was a, in fact, it's a person that used to work in our office um, uh, <clears throat> when we had the daily television show some years ago. This person lives in Spokane now, as a matter of fact. But um, anyway, I saw, and no, I'm not going to mention your name if you're listening this morning. But she had posted this on her Facebook page. It's two snowmen or snow people. I mean, I don't know what they are. But anyway, they're two snowmen. Maybe one's a man, one's a woman. It kind of looks like, well, we won't get into that. It looks like it could be a snowman and a snowwoman. But I'm not not sure. But anyway, excuse me. What I am sure of is I thought it was kind of funny. These two snow people are out here in somebody's yard. So it's a just a caricature. And uh, the one snowman is saying to the other that looks like a snow woman, maybe, don't be absurd. Nobody made us. We evolved by chance from snowflakes. I thought that was funny because there's still people who consider themselves elite intellectuals who claim that we evolved from from a cell in a swamp. They do, and they teach your children that, and you pay for it in public education, whether you want to or not. But that pretty well sums it up. A couple of snow people, snowmen, sitting on a lawn in the snow saying, yeah, we just evolved from snowflakes. Nobody believes that. But they believe mankind, who is much more complex than a snowman, did. It's amazing. Before... Before Joe Biden even has an administration, he isn't quite yet president-elect. Prayerfully, he will never be. That's my prayer, at least. But before he even has an administration, George Soros. George Soros, who poured a personal record of $70 million into the 2020 elections to advance his open borders agenda. He doesn't want any borders in America. That's a fact. He's already placing a number of people on Biden's team. They're going to be part of Biden's administration if he gets one. One of Soros' people is leaving. He heads up the Open Society Foundation. That's a vast hundreds of millions, maybe billions of dollars pour through that, all from this multi-billionaire George Soros called Open Society Foundation. I'm sure you've heard of it. The news media pretty much tamped down. In fact, Fox did the other day. They called down Newt Gingrich because he started to talk about George Soros. And one of those women on Fox said, no, we're not going to have that conversation. That isn't verified. He's not that bad or whatever. They shut down Newt. I saw the video and Newt looked like a deer in the headlight. I mean, Newt Gingrich has been around. He knows a few things for sure. And he's certainly a conservative. And they shut him down. This woman wouldn't let him talk about it. So he brought it up again. He said, well, wait a minute. He said, this guy's a major player in geopolitics. What do you what do you mean we can't talk about it? She said, that's not what we're discussing now and moved on. He's that toxic. But he's dangerous, very, very dangerous man, because he's worth, I don't know, 40, 50 billion dollars, something like that. And he puts his money where his mouth is. He believes that we shouldn't have borders in America. He doesn't want America to be America. He doesn't want us to be exceptional. He wants us to be a place on earth that people pass through. That is his agenda. In fact, that's nearly a quote 
from some of the things he has said and written. Anyway, he's poured 70 million of his own money into this last election. So the person that has been running his this vast nonprofit network, Open Society Foundation, this Patrick Gaspart, he announced yesterday, they announced that Gaspart is stepping down, effective at the end of this year, which is just a few days now. And um, it is said that he is going to he is going to be part of the Biden quote unquote administration. They say the people inside say that Gaspart will become Biden's labor secretary when Biden becomes president. Soros' replacement to lead his own Open Society Foundation is a guy named Mark Malik Brown. Mark Malik Brown is the chairman of SGO. That's a company that owns the Smartmatic voting software company that was used on these Dominion machines in this disastrous election that we just went through. Let that soak in for a moment. This is fact, what I'm telling you. A parade of people are already moving from Open Society Foundation to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, mentally if not physically. But they're standing at the door. They're waiting to get Trump out of there and get Biden in there so they can become the government of the United States. I'm not kidding you. This is serious. This is the beginning of what Biden has been, when he's coherent, calling the reset. That's why the far left is so giddy about all this. It's a migration from Soros to Biden. Patrick Gaspard is president of the Open Society Foundation. He announced Friday to the people within the Soros organization that he will be stepping down at the end of the month. He said, after four profound years of service to this extraordinary institution, the Open Society Foundation that is controlled and owned by by, uh, Soros, he said, after four profound years of service to this extraordinary institution and at a critical juncture for the democracy That is my home. I guess that means the U.S. He said, I am compelled to charge once more into the breach of a new political movement. The people close to Biden say the political movement is Biden's cabinet. He's not the only one that's migrating from the agenda. They're pretty sure that it's a done deal. They're moving from the open borders society to the execution of open borders as government officials. Sarah Cross, she's an advocacy director at Soros Open Society Foundation. She's on Biden's State Department team, now the transition team. Michael Penn, he's a special advisor in the Open Society Executive Office. He's on Biden's United Nations team. Diane Thomas, a leader, um, in, uh, she's a leadership in government fellow at Open Society Foundation. She'll be Biden's Consumer Financial Protection Bureau transition team. She heads that up should he become president. And the list goes on. There's more. But look at who's replacing Gaspar as president of the Open Society Foundations. Soros, as I said, has appointed Mark Malik Brown to run his global Open Society Foundation. Malik Brown is chairman of the company, SGO, which owns the Smartmatic voting software that was provided programming for these Dominion voting machines in our just election just completed. In reporting on Malik Brown, who is chairman of Smartmatic, 
the New York Times goes to great length in an article over the weekend to say that, well, there's no connection, no connection. You hear that again and again in this or see it in this article. No connection between Soros and Smartmatic. Of course, of course, New York Times. We all believe that. We're so stupid out here. We're uninformed. Nobody believes that. There's no connection, they say, except that Moloch Brown is both chairman of Smartmatic and a member of the board of Open Society Foundation. <laughs> Man, I mean, they don't think we're very smart. The New York Times says, quote, speculation that Mr. Soros has any influence over Smartmatic or its operations has been thoroughly debunked. Of course it has. SGO, in announcing that Malik Brown is stepping down to join Soros, the company said Smartmatic is leading elections technology company. It's the most leading in the world. They said, quote, whose systems have securely processed more than 5 billion votes on five continents with zero breaches. If that's true, I don't believe it. But if that were true, in my mind, that makes them even more suspect because if they can process 5 billion votes on five continents with no problems, why do they have so many problems in America? It's because they rigged the election. And I don't say that lightly. I wasn't saying that a month or two ago because I wasn't sure. I'm positive now. They took over the election. They ran spikes of tens of thousands of votes for Biden in an hour. And it shows up on the reports. You can look at the charts and see where they did it in the middle of the night. And yet the press refuses to cover it. But that makes them more suspect that they have such a stellar record elsewhere. You may have heard that Biden has picked... Neera Tandem as his nominee to lead the White House Office of Management and Budget should he become the president. Tandon has been serving as the head of the far-left globalist Soros-funded Center for American Progress. The Wall Street Journal reporting that Neera Tandem will join the Biden team notes that Tandem also has strong ties to Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, their foundation, and issues she's had major issues with Bernie Sanders and his allies. During the Obama administration, Ms. Nidra was also a key architect of Obamacare. Now, the Center for American Progress actually gained an instant, a far, far left organization. If you follow these things, you would, have, you would know about them. But they gained an institutional fold, uh, foothold in Washington for George Soros, as he has become, over the last 10, 15 years, a major player in shaping the institutional left and the Democratic Party. There is no question about that. So why is Biden going so far left when he claims he's a moderate? Biden's pick for the Department of Homeland Security is an absolute picture of the D.C. political corruption. Al Mayorkas is a left-wing Democrat with a history of doing favors for the wealthy and the politically connected people including working to help suspected Chinese spies, I verified this, help suspected Chinese spies enter the country, and he's helped several convicted drug drug dealers get out of prison. He worked for President Obama. He orchestrated the most anti-congressional use of executive power to accomplish amnesty. Why would Biden include him? He already has. 
Biden has promised the left wing of the Democrat Party that he will go to the left as far as he can. In fact, Bernie Sanders claims that Joe Biden told him personally that if elected, he said, and Bernie Sanders, quoting Joe Biden, I will be the most progressive president since FDR. The far left of Biden's party is becoming upset because they say his choices haven't been far enough to the left. Kamala Harris is, of course, pushing hard for more far-left people in a Biden-run government. Ronald Reagan once said, Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on to them to do the same. I can tell you that our freedoms are under attack more today than at any time in our lifetime, possibly since 1776 when farmers and business people and even a pastor showed up to get a gun and some gunpowder and go to war against the most powerful military on the planet. In one sense, that's where we are today, should Joe Biden actually become the president of the United States. Biblical Christians will be facing some difficult challenges. I wish I could say otherwise, but it's true. But you know what? God God is in control. Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2, says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. As I was thinking about these things, they can be overwhelming, but we must be informed. Otherwise, we'll be simply marginalized ultimately extinguished from all real part of society. And Jesus himself said, we are salt and we are light. And with God's help, I want to be that. I don't want to be anything more than that. I just want to be what Jesus told me to be and what he told you to be. And I think most of us feel that way. I was thinking of that hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, Thomas Obadiah Chisholm, he wrote that. As a young man, his health was so fragile that there were periods of time in his life when he was confined to bed for months on end. Between bouts of illness, he would have to push himself to work extra hours to make money to make ends meet. He had a tough go. It was really difficult. But at the age of 27, he accepted Jesus Christ as his, as his Savior. He found great comfort in the Scriptures. And he would often read Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. Jeremiah wrote, became one of his favorite uh, scriptures. It is, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. He was on a mission trip. He wrote a poem about that particular verse. Great is thy faithfulness. It was published as a song in 1923. The hymn didn't get much much attention for several years until 1945, when George Beverly Shea began to sing that song, Great Is Thy Faithfulness, to Billy Graham Evangelistic Crusades. People heard it, they wanted it, and it began to show up in hymn books. I believe that if we proclaim, Great Is Thy Faithfulness, in the midst of all of this stuff that's going on in our culture, I believe other people will hear the message, and they'll want that message as well. There is a light 
And it is the light that shines in darkness, even when the darkness comprehends it not. Keep your head up. God is in control. We'll continue this conversation right here tomorrow. Thanks for being with me. Thank you for your support. We'll see you tomorrow.